Good evening, everyone. That poem that we listened to just now, as I read it over the week and as I listened to it tonight, there was one line that stuck out to me, um, tonight especially, and it was that line that Rachel wrote that said, how beautiful the fragrance of a hallelujah offered in hardship. So wherever you're at tonight, I imagine all of us are feeling the strain, whether it's from all of the upheaval and disappointments of yesterday, whether you were already anticipating this being a different, harder Christmas, or whether it's got absolutely nothing to do with coronavirus at all. What a thought. The hallelujah that is offered up when it is the last thing that you want to do, I do believe is not just beautiful to the Lord, but it is honored greatly by him. At Christmas, we celebrate this mysterious miracle. We've heard it read to us several times tonight from two different gospel accounts. The word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. We've made this a space this evening to reflect. For many of us, that will mean reflecting on the year. And, and I won't rehash all of the hardships that we've faced over this year because I don't need to. Each of us knows them ourselves because we have lived them and we are still living them. This Christmas, it is okay to not be okay. This Christmas, it is okay to not be jingling your way towards Christmas Day. It's okay not to be full of the joys of the season. It is okay to feel a little wobbly or unsure as Christmas approaches. What I want to offer this evening is a moment to consider God in the midst of it all. Because that is what we celebrate at Christmas. We celebrate God in our midst Jesus, fully God and fully man, this mysterious, miraculous incarnation dwelling amongst us. God actually with us. We learn so much from the other parts of the story, from Mary, from the account of the shepherds, from the wise men, these unexpected stories that are all woven into the account of Jesus' birth. They teach us so much, but the thing we are actually celebrating at Christmas is Emmanuel, God with us, the great silence being broken, the barren years springing up to life, the light piercing all that was cloaked in darkness. We have always needed Emmanuel. There has never been a day of your life when you didn't need Emmanuel. But oh, how we know that need now. In that account in Matthew chapter 1, 
when he included that word of his name being called Emmanuel, God with us, he was digging down through the ages to something prophesied centuries ago before, through the prophet Isaiah. And it's a really important addition because the name Jesus was actually fairly common at the time. It's not an overly unusual choice. Its meaning is so significant, but it derived from the name Joshua. So for a Jewish kid, that's not really a bad name to go with. But of the name Emmanuel, not so. Because it would say more about a child than any parent would have dared. Yet Jesus was the only one who could bear such a name because he was the fulfillment of it. In his life, he was God with us. In his death, he was God with us. And in his resurrection, he is Emmanuel, God with us. At other Christmas times, maybe not this one, but it can seem that our default has to be one of unadulterated happiness because this is the season that we just kind of throw some glitter at the situation and put on a brave face. Although glitter is terrible for recycling, so don't buy glitter. But we can feel that pressure, can't we? You know, it's Christmas. I've got to feel Christmassy. We've got to make it a good Christmas. We've got to make the best of it. And as a Christian especially, we can almost feel guilty if we're not rising up with joy in our hearts. Now, don't get me wrong, there is a time for that. There is a time to call yourself towards joy, even when that feels hard. But at this time of year, when we look expectantly to this Emmanuel, God with us, in order for that to be completely true, God with us, it must be true in every part of what it means for us to be human on this earth. It must give room for all of the things that seem like contradictions, room for all of the dimensions of life, the joys and the sorrows. As Christians, we need to make room for the joys. We need to spread our tent pegs wide and call up those hidden joys, usher them in, put them on display to call each other to rejoicing. And I do not mean mere happiness, not a good mood, not being cheerful or chipper. I mean a deep and defiant rejoicing that is not born in or reliant upon our own strength or effort. And we also need to make room for the sorrows. Because I believe Jesus was the most joyful person on earth. And yet, remember, he was called man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. I believe Jesus laughed and brought hope with him wherever he went. And yet he wept bitterly at the tomb of his friend and in the garden of Gethsemane. Jesus held for us both joys and sorrows and one was not more important than the other. This God with us showed us that in him all of our joys and our sorrows find equal room. Jesus, Emmanuel, this man of sorrows, this prince of peace, told us that in him our joy would be complete. 
and that we would know deep suffering. And he was okay with both of those things being true because he held both of those experiences and all their facets in himself. He knew that we would experience both the inbreaking of the kingdom of God and all the goodness and glory that brings, as well as knowing that we would be broken and hurting as we encounter the gaping not yet of the kingdom as well. So, how do we walk that line for ourselves, for each other, and for this world this Christmas? How do we hold sorrow and joy together without diminishing either? It's a task we can never hope to even attempt by ourselves. Because it's not just about choosing joy even when you're weary or sad, nor is it just about slowing down enough to step into the pain and the hurt. Those things are important. Our choices matter a great deal. But when you're trying to walk a line between two impossible things, two things that seem to have no way of being reconciled to each other, you need to look to the one who came to reconcile all things to himself. The fullness of our human experience can only be reconciled and redeemed through knowing Jesus, through bringing all of those experiences to him and allowing him to reconcile them in us. We can't walk the line ourselves. That's why we need Emmanuel. It's why we need God with us. We are longing and aching for Emmanuel. We are hoping against hope in Emmanuel because God is with us. And God with us is not an abstract thought nor some sort of metaphorical concept. God with us is a promise and it is a certainty. And it can be our lived experience every day, every moment. And there are three ways I want to highlight through which this Emmanuel, God with us, becomes real to us. God is with us, firstly, through his word. Secondly, God is with us through his spirit. And thirdly, God is with us through one another. First, God is with us through his word. In the beginning of of John 1 that we heard a section from earlier, it starts with, in the beginning was the Word, meaning Jesus, and the Word was with God in fellowship, and the Word was God in being. Jesus is the Word, and he has the words of eternal life. Scripture tells us to hide these words in our heart, to bind them to ourselves, to write them on the tablet of our hearts, to have them ever before us. The Bible is not just an interesting book. It's not just full of stories. It is not an optional addition to the Christian life. It is living, it is breathing, it is active, and we need to know these words. Spending time with these words will feed your soul where nothing else can. It will speak to your weariness, it will satiate your longing, it will sustain your joy far beyond your own capabilities. 
Spending time with these words will mean your sorrows find a place of solace and your joys find a place of fulfillment. Do you know these words? Are they ever before you? This Christmas with the collision of a grieving heart or a grateful heart, don't try and find a reason or a purpose anywhere else. You can know Emmanuel, God, with us through this living word as you read it with the one who is the living word, Jesus. So in the midst of all that is different or busy, weird or sad in the next few weeks, my plea to you is, don't let spending time with Jesus in his word become secondary to your mince pies or your, your Christmas movies. Let neither despair nor distraction push him out. He is your Emmanuel. Second, God is with us through his spirit. In the book of Romans, in chapter 5, Paul talks about the coexistence of hope and suffering. The hope that we have in Jesus and the sufferings that we will experience and what we're meant to do with that. And then at verse 5 he says this, And hope does not put us to shame. Or in another version it reads, does not disappoint. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. There will be many things that will disappoint us. We know that full well. Our trust has been shaken. It turns out we can't plan very far ahead these days at all. And those disappointments you are feeling tonight are valid. They are real. They are not to be belittled and covered over. In the midst of that, we need to remember that when Jesus promised that he would be with us in every moment, right to the end of the age, that he meant it. And he came good on his promise. God has poured his love himself, his very presence into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Elsewhere in the New Testament we read, because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. This is the extent to which God has chosen and enacted his being with us. Not only did he give himself over to become human and live in this human mess to make his home with us, and not only did he die to redeem it and to redeem us, he has now and forever chosen to dwell in our hearts through his spirit. Because he knew that we needed that closeness. His nearness is necessary to our salvation. And yet, is he our cry? Is our cry, Abba, Father? Or is it someone else or something else? If shame has darkened your view, 
If sorrows have weighed down your heart, if disappointment has left you flat on your back once again, the answer is not to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and find something to be grateful for, to force some joy out however you can. Although a grateful heart can do wonders. No. The answer is a spirit-enabled cry of Abba, Father. And if that is all you can manage, then that is enough. Finally, God is with us through each other. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. He made his home among people, with people, alongside people, fully as a person. He did not come and complete an isolated work. As God with us, he was actually with us. And so as we live our days here in joys and in sorrows, as we seek the nearness of God, as we seek friendship with Jesus, we rally against the spirit of individualism which seeks to grasp us. And we draw closer and nearer to one another, to those around us. We do not, we, we cannot experience God in a vacuum. Dietrich Bonhoeffer explains it like this. Through fellowship and communion with the incarnate Lord, we recover our true humanity. And at the same time, we are delivered from that individualism, which is the consequence of sin, and retrieve our solidarity with the whole human race. By being partakers of Christ incarnate, we are partakers in the whole humanity which he bore. We now know that we have been taken up and born in the humanity of Jesus. And therefore, that new nature we now enjoy means that we too must bear the sins and sorrows of others. The incarnate Lord makes his followers the brothers of all mankind. We recover our humanity. We are delivered from individualism. We retrieve our solidarity. You see, the danger of individualism is that it leads us to a sense of self-sufficiency. We think, hi, I am experiencing the world right now as the reality. When it is only together in Jesus and in solidarity with those around us that we recognize the full picture of who we are. And our response then becomes that we choose to bear with each other and with those around us. Or... To put it another way, we rejoice with those who rejoice and we mourn with those who mourn. We enter into each other's joys and each other's sorrows. We don't pour cold water over the rejoicings of another, even if the cost of our rejoicing with them is great. Nor do we try and pull up those who are mourning out of their sorrow with an at least or a but still. Just rejoice and mourn. We long and we hope. I've been captivated this Advent by the carol, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, because in it we hear both that ache in the longing cry of come, 
Emmanuel, alongside and oscillating around the hope, the call to rejoice, Emmanuel. Both dimensions are needed. And so it is, in fact, in our longing, in our aching, in our yearning, and in our hoping that God is with us, that God chose and chooses to be with us. That is the hope we have this Christmas, where our hope has been battered between many things this year, where we have gotten hopes up only to have them dashed, and for many where that is not a 2020 experience, but where it has been a mark in many other years too. The hope we can have is that God is with us. We are not alone. We are not left without an anchor. We are not wandering aimlessly. God is with us. That is the promise of Christmas in our joys and in our sorrows. Emmanuel, God with us. Let me pray. So Jesus, our Emmanuel, God with us. Where we are longing, where we are aching, where we are yearning, where we are hoping. May we know you with us in a new way, through your word, through your spirit, and through each other. Amen.